It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment here at Disney On Demand with Disney Blues, Diz Radio, and the Diz Radio Show. And this week for show number 177, for the week of May 18th, 2017, we're taking that bridge, we're tromping over, we're doing martial arts, we're going to have some dinosaur fun, as we have none other than Latham Gaines stopping in here at the show. Now, Latham Gaines, who you may know from Disney's great film, The Bridge to Terabithia, the live adaptation of the classic novel. He's also part of Power Rangers' Dino Thunder, The Cult, Hercules, Xena, and so much more. And Lathan is going to stop in, talk with us, chat about all these great films, and being part of many different things and taking that bridge over to Terabithia. And no show would be complete without the D-Team. That's right, the D-Team is a little scarce here this week once again, but you have the questions and he has the answers, and Aaron is going to answer all your questions and I want to know. We also have Dominic with this week's Disney Short Leash with those tips and tricks to make the most out of your short trip at the Walt Disney World Resort. We also have Paige with the symphony for your ears with a magical music review, reviewing another soundtrack that you want to add to your collection. We have all kinds of news hot off the D-Wire. From the Magic Kingdom, Pandora, the Disney Channel, Monsters, Inc., Sippy Cups, and so much more. So before I jump into this week's show and we head off on that bridge into Terabithia, I do want to mention that Diz Radio is probably sponsored by Castle and Dreams Travel. And Castle and Dreams Travel is 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan, book, prepare, make the most magical vacation that you could possibly have. And they're going to treat you like family. They're going to grab your hand, walk you through the process, and make it the most magical vacation that you could possibly have. They also have bilingual experts to help you with any language barriers that you could also have. So definitely check them out. Castle and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, it is time to fight some villains, do some martial arts, watch out for some Dino Thunder, and take that bridge to Terabithia as we officially kick off show number 177 for the week of May 18th, 2017. And just remember, close your eyes, but keep your mind wide open. Sunshine. 
Pictures and Walden Media. Two friends are about to find another world. You're not gonna believe this. No one has ever seen. Wow. They will meet amazing creatures. It's ticklish. <laughs> discover incredible powers. And only they can solve the mystery that will reveal their destiny. That's impossible. Bridge to Terabithia. Rated PG. Starts February 16th. Hey everybody, this is Latham Gaines from Rich to Terabithia and Power Rangers Dino Thunder, and you're listening to Biz Radio.
Heads, you're listening to Disney on Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Kari, Kari McKean. It's like Kari only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney on Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig, you know, with the reassuring of the parents and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. You will. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 177 for the week of May 18th, 2017, as we're gearing up to go over that bridge to Terabithia, fight it out with some Power Rangers and villains, and so much more, as we have Lathan Gaines stopping in here at the show. We also have the D-team here with Aaron, Dominic, and Paige with their signature segments and all kinds of news hot off the D-wire. So before we jump into everything, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show, first and foremost. And first off, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at dizradio.com, D-I-Z radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets. And remember, we are still rebuilding that Facebook page after that hacker had taken us down. So you can connect up with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dizradioshow. That's D-I-Z radio, S-H-O-W. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Disney On Demand, Diz Radio, D-I-Z radio, or Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. All of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, magical, quirky, unique kind of Disney show. And remember, if you just can't wait to hear my voice in your ears every single week, the D-Team, our special guests, you need it, you just want it ringing in those ears, all you have to do is go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and subscribe right there. It is that easy. Go to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, search Disney On Demand, Diz Radio, or Disney Blue, all of which are going to help you subscribe. You're going to sit there and get it released instantly as soon as a new show becomes available on your iPhone, your Android, your tablet, and any other place that you like to listen to. And remember, if I am talking too fast, too quick, and kind of all over the place, it's really easy to remember all this. Just go to DizRadio, D-I-Z-Radio.com, and you can find all these links there as well. So with all of that said, and it is out of the way, let's jump into the news hot off the D-Wire. And how about Disney's live-action Beauty and the Beast arriving on Blu-ray, digital, and DVD on June 6th? Yes, coming out, the blockbuster live adaptation of Disney's classic Beauty and the Beast can finally become yours on June 6th. It's full of fun, romance, and it is just one of those great films that I think truly was a great adaptation of the Disney animated classic, since that seems to be the route the studio is going in in most recent months and years, of course. But now everybody can relive this as June 6th, it is going to be available for you to pick up digitally, on DVD, and on Blu-ray. Now fans who are excited about this are going to be chock full 
in, I guess, even more joy and more excitement because the Blu-ray is going to have a ton of extra features for you. There's going to be the Enchanted Table Read. Yes, you can join the cast for the movie's elaborately staged table read, complete with singing, dancing, live music, set pieces, and more. There's also A Beauty of a Tale, where you can explore the process of the transforming the beloved animated feature into the new live-action classic. The women behind Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson introducing several of the talented women in all specs of production who helped bring this enchanted tale to life. There's also Making a Moment with Celine Dion. Now Celine Dion shares what it was like to sing How Does a Moment Last Forever and be part of the legacy of Beauty and the Beast. As we all know, she was part of the original soundtrack from the animated feature. Now there's also from Song to Screen, Making the Musical Sequences, where you can see what goes into making these musical sequences happen throughout the film, including Belle, where filmmakers and cast reveal how it felt to relive this memorable scene, Be Our Guest, Gaston, and Beauty and the Beast, where you're invited to be on set for the filming of this classic scene. Now there's also a ton, if that wasn't enough, there is a ton of deleted scenes as well. There's the introduction by the director, who's going to have a collection of scenes that he cut basically for the film, and they are on the cutting room floor, including Gaston courting Belle, the bread and jam from Agatha, the storming the ice gates, Lumiere torches Lafleu, and of course, there's also many others, including Cogsworth rescuing uh, Lumiere and uh, many other ones. I mean, seriously, there's probably about 10 to 15 different deleted scenes here. Now, there's also an extended song, Yes, Days in the Sun. Now you can learn more about Beast's childhood in an alternate version of this beautiful song that's introduced by the director himself. Now, there's the Beauty and the Beast music video with award-winning artists Ariana Grande and John Legend performing their new version of this iconic song. Now, there's the Disney song selection. Now, this is something that everybody loves, especially if you have young children. You have the song selection where you can jump directly to all of your favorite songs within the movie with Belle, How Does the Moment Last Forever, uh, Gaston, Be Our Guest, Days in the Sun, uh, Something There, How Does a Moment Last Forever, Beauty and the Beast, Evermore, The Mob Song, and so many others. Now, the DVD, of course, is scaled way back, so you definitely want to get that Blu-ray or get the combo set or whichever way it's going to happen because the DVD only has the Beauty and the Beast music video. But this is coming on June 6th on digital, Blu-ray, and DVD for you to add to your collection to really make it jump out have fun, add it to your Disney classics, and now you can get Beauty and the Beast on DVD and Blu-ray on June 6th. Now, moving away from that, let's get into Disney Junior and something that everybody loves and wearing your pajamas, right? Okay, well, maybe that's just me sitting here in my footy pajamas, but how about PJ Masks Live? The Time to Be a Hero is hitting the road for its first ever live theatrical tour. Now, Entertainment One, which is also known as E1, and Round Room Presents are proud to announce that PJ Masks Live, Time to Be a Hero, is a brand new, fully immersive musical production that's going to take the stage touring across North America and starting in September of 2017. Now, the exclusive presale began this last Tuesday on May 16th and to the general public tomorrow on May 19th at 10 a.m. Now, the live show is based on E1's top-rated animated TV series, which airs daily on Disney Junior, where Catboy, Owlette, and Gecko, and the baddies will delight fans of all ages with live performances featuring world-class production, familiar and original music, acrobatics, and more. Now, we all know how these stage shows go. There was also where you had the Mickey uh, Road Tour and things like that, where they were fun. They're on stage, they're close up. It's your chance to really see the characters, see the princesses, and now you can see PJ Masks live. That's really hard to say, PJ Masks live. 
That is a really hard uh, word to say here. But I am thrilled to be partnering with E1 to bring the live version of the series PJ Masks throughout the United States and Canada for the first time. They said that they are really excited with this amazing brand as it transfers naturally to the live stage, and we can't wait to delight audiences with an all-new and fun, exciting show, said the CEO, Stephen Shaw, of the entire Round Room Presents. Now, there is a full list of dates, and I'm not going to go through this and give you all those lists because me rambling on dates would be about as boring as me saying so throughout a show. So anyways, I just did it right there. Moving on now. From PJ Masks, let's get into the Olympic gold medalist Lori Hernandez. Yes, in the ESPN wide world of sports. Now we all know ESPN is having its bit of trouble right now. They're having their, uh, they're pretty much their own problems. But the Olympic gold medalist Lori Hernandez visited the Walt Disney World Resort for the first time in years this past weekend during the D2 Summit Cheerleading Championship. Now Hernandez's appearance was a pleasant surprise for more than 12,000 cheerleaders competing in the D2 Summit Championship. Now, the Summit is one of the six Varsity Spirit cheer and dance competitions that occur annually at the sports complex. Now, Hernandez's gymnast team, as we all know, is part of the Final Five, the USA teams who won the gold during the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Now, Hernandez's 16 also made history as the youngest winner for Dancing with the Stars last season. Now, Hernandez also hosted the Varsity Bond School Spirits Award at Disney's Saratoga Springs Resort and Spa, recognizing the nation's most spirited students, staff, and schools. Now, the show's aired on VarsityBrands.com on May 15th as well, but now everybody had that, uh, that big surprise, got to see her, and I know if my daughter was there, who is a 10-year-old aspiring gymnast, well, I can't say aspiring, she does compete, but she's a 10-year-old inspired gymnast and really loves uh, Lori Hernandez, she would have loved to be there as well. Now, since we are down at the Walt Disney World Resort, there's something that I truly love there, and it is Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Celebration. Yes, the Halloween party, and I really do love this party. As you all know, we always have Halloween here at Diz Radio, big, bold, and bad. Now, early details for the Mickey's Not-So-Scary have been released so far, and everybody's up in arms. Everybody heard that, you know, Snow White's mine train is not going to be open and things like that. You know what? Get over it. You're there for the Halloween party, right? Are we there to worry about Snow White's mine train? Are we there to trick-or-treat, have fun, see the special stage show, the special fireworks, spectacular, and, of course, the awesome Booty You Parade? That's all I'm saying, right? You are there for those things, so who cares? Stop whining about it. But they do have some fantastic things that are lined up so far, and the main page on the Disney Parks blog so far says that Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party has many things to expect this year, including the Hocus Pocus Villain Spectacular Stage Show, the Booty You Halloween Parade, trick-or-treating locations throughout the Magic Kingdom, the Cadaver Dance Barbershop Quartet, and the Hexclusive Disney Photo Op Pass. Now, along with this are many other things that they have, including many special magic shots that are going to be added on later, including Magic Kingdom's main entrance, Town Square, Liberty Square, Main Street USA, and the Haunted Mansion. Now, guests looking to enjoy many of these events also, as you all know, or maybe you don't know, so I'm going to inform you, you need to have a special ticket. Now, there is a hard ticket attraction for this, so anybody that doesn't have it is going to be asked to leave at 7 p.m. But remember, don't waste your day ticket as well. 
You can also get in as early as 4 p.m. to start enjoying the festivities. Now, three of the Magic Kingdom's table service restaurants will also be open during the Halloween parties, and those are going to be Be Our Guest Restaurant, Cinderella's Royal Table, and the Crystal Palace. Now, some of the quick service locations and snack wagons will be operating throughout the parties as well, giving guests other dining options. And this is always a problem. When you're there, you're hungry, and nothing is open. But there are many other details about this. I'm not going to go too deep into it. There's a lot of great shows out there that are covering it as well. But the official details for the 2017 Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party are officially up on the Disney Parks blog as well. Now, getting away from the parks, let's get into the big screen and movies. And we all know there's a lot of great movies coming under the Disney umbrella in the upcoming months, including... Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and you may remember back in our archives when we had Kevin McNally talking to us live from the set of filming that film as well, and I am really excited for this, but how about Bob Iger refusing to pay ransom to hackers threatening to release the blockbuster film? Now, Disney CEO Bob Iger has reportedly called in the FBI to investigate a major cyber hack. Now, reports suggest that the hackers have stolen the new Pirates of the Caribbean film, Dead Men Tell No Tales and they are threatening to release the movie online ahead of its official May 26 release date. Now, Disney CEO Bob Iger has confirmed the hack, but he has refused to name the movie that is being held for the ransom, but this one is the one that everybody is speculating is pretty much the one that they're going to release. Now, the hackers wanted a sum of money to be paid to Bitcoin, as he told ABC employees during a town hall meeting on Monday, according to Deadline's official website. Now, according to The Hollywood Reporter, the cyber bandits behind the theft have threatened to release the film in sections, starting with the first five minutes, until the ransom demand is met. But Iger insists the company bosses have chosen not to pay and give in to any of these hackers. Now, the news comes weeks after episodes of the new season of Orange is the New Black were posted illegally on the internet after Netflix refused to heed hackers' ransoms as well. Now, nobody has yet to confirm that this is the Pirates of the Caribbean film, but I believe that this probably is because it's coming out in a couple of weeks and that would probably be the easiest one for them to get their hands on to to release in this kind of situation. So let's see what happens. But you got to admit, you know, them taking a stand and not giving in to me, that right there is a good, solid, real bold move that a leader would do. Now, moving along here, how about Disney's Monsters, Inc.'s mugs? are being pulled from shelves after it got stuck on a 7-year-old girl's tongue for hours. Yes, you heard me right. Now, 7-year-old Megan Donald's tongue became jammed in the screw-top cup while at school, and I'm going to try to say this, Kirkintilloch, near Glasgow. Boy, that's a mouthful here. But it was eventually removed by hospital staff using a hacksaw and a drill. Now, the Disney store has withdrawn the mug from the shelves, and further three similar designs that are on sale and online have been pulled as well. Now, it is in the process of destroying any remaining stock. Now, Megan's mother, Natalie, who is 31 years old, and I don't know why her age is a big factor here, but anyways, who works in banking, called it a flawed product, and it needed to be recalled, not just destroyed and pulled from the shelf in case it happens to more children. She told the Scottish Sun, I am just so surprised because Disney is such a big company with a good reputation. Now, this is drastic. I mean, it is one of those things where I can see why they're not recalling it. It's something where her daughter was probably jamming her tongue in there for a while. So I don't know if it's truly a safety concern or not, but nobody else has had this happen. I don't think it needs to be recalled, but I also see, all right, they destroyed the stock. They got rid of it. It is what it is. But, you know, it's one of those things that feels sorry for this little girl who had it stuck on her tongue for hours. And the pictures truly are graphic. Now, 
moving to the small screen here. Let's get into something everybody loves and television. And how about Disney announcing the Little Mermaid live musical TV special? Yes, Disney has officially announced this week that the wonderful world of Disney, the Little Mermaid Live, will premiere with a set date of October 3rd. The two-hour special will be based on the animated movie as well. Now, this version of Little Mermaid will mix live action with animation, and Disney says it's going to use cutting-edge technology for the special that hasn't been used before. Now, the cast teased to include many favorite celebrity artists, and they are going to be revealed at a later date, meaning, a.k.a. nothing's really solid in contract yet. Now, this isn't the only adaptation of The Little Mermaid that Disney is working on. The company is also creating a live-action Little Mermaid movie with Hamilton creator Lin-Manuel Miranda. Now, this is just a fantastic thing. I mean, come on. Everybody loves musicals, and of course, ABC is jumping on the bandwagon with Grease Live and Peter Pan Live and all these great live performances that harken back to the days of the 60s and 70s when they had many of these on TV. Now Disney's jumping into it, and of course, why not do it with one of your biggest blockbusters and The Little Mermaid. Now, all of this set aside, let's get into food, and you think I'm going to talk about park food? I'm not. I'm going to talk about Twizzlers. And how about an artist building an entire Disney castle out of Twizzlers? Yes, Cinderella's castle just got even more magical because now it's rainbow and made out of Twizzlers. Emily Seihammer, an artist from Pennsylvania who loves using unconventional materials, has made an incredible candy-based sculpture of the iconic castle from Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. And you can watch the sculpture come to life on Seihammer's official YouTube channel. And if you want to look that up while I'm talking... That's S-E-I-H-A-M-E-R. And check out her YouTube channel. It is hilarious. Now, unfortunately, because it took so so much time to paint it and glue it and make it work, it's probably not 100% editable. But there is uh, something great and fantastic about this. It's different, it's fun, and it truly does look like the castle. Now, you know, I live in Wisconsin where we have Jelly Bellies, and I've taken the Jelly Belly tour, and it's much like this, where they have full murals that were made by you know, with using Jelly Bellies, same thing, but with Twizzlers. Now, previous works of hers include a Christmas tree made out of brown paper lunch bags, as well as a, an Easter dress made out of old wallpaper, and many other things. So, definitely check it out on her official YouTube channel. It is pretty awesome. I had a couple other things I was going to talk about here, all VD heads, right? There's Descendants 2, as we all know that they visited Pandora, at Disney's Animal Kingdom. The cast of Descendants 2, Cameron Boyce, Boo Boo Stura, and many others went ahead and rode many of the attractions at Pandora. And of course, That's So Raven, the spin-off series, yes, Raven's Home, is set for a July premiere on the Disney Channel. Now, they all said that once again, it is going to happen, and Raven is going to come home on Friday, July 21st on the Disney Channel. And the show will premiere at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, Raven's Home does star Raven Simone. Annalise Vanderpool as they're reprising their roles as Raven Baxter and Chelsea Daniels and many others. So there's a lot of great things, news on the horizon, and so much more. So before I release the reins here to the D-Team, all of you D-Heads, as we gear up for Latham Gaines to stop in here, we're going to continue on that trek to Terabithia. We're going to have some fun with some Power Rangers, dinosaurs, and of course, Aaron has the answers for all of your questions in I Want to Know. We have Dominic with the latest Disney short leash with tips and tricks to make the most out of your short trip. 
to the Walt Disney World Resort, and we also have Paige with the symphony for your ears with a magical music review. So before we release the reins here to the D-Team, I do want to mention that Diz Radio is probably sponsored by Castle and Dreams Travel. And Castle and Dreams Travel is 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan, book, prepare, make the most magical vacation that you could possibly have from dining reservations, tickets, and so much more. They're going to treat you like family. They're going to hold your hand, walk you through the process, and they have bilingual experts that are going to help you. So if you have any language barriers there, they're going to help you make the most out of your trip as well. So definitely check them out. Castle and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, we have the D-Team, Latham Games, and so much more. So as the theme continues to go on, as we head on over to that bridge to Terabithia, all it takes is that one little spark of inspiration to make your imagination come wild. Take it away, team. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart of all creation. Right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. Oh, hello there. So glad you could come along. I am the Dream Finder. <laughs> Musical notes. What delightful melodies those will make. I love these flights of fancy. Searching the universe for sounds, colors, ideas, anything that sparks the imagination. A sunbeam. That's a good one. Oh, everything I collect can inspire amazing and marvelous new ideas. And you never know what kind of figment you may come up with. Oh, here's my favorite. Two tiny wings, eyes big and yellow, horns of a steer, but a lovable fellow. From head to tail, he's royal purple pigment, and there, voila, you've got a figment, a figment of imagination. <laughs> Dreamfinder, I'm just right. Uh, 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 not quite. Huh? I'll throw in a dash of childish delight. <laughs> Look, figment. Some new friends have joined us. Can they imagine too? Of course! Imagination is something that belongs to all of us. You mean everyone can think up new things. <laughs> That's right, Figment. And every sparkling idea can lead to even more. So many times we're stumbling in the dark, and then you What a spark! How are we going to use lightning? Hmm. We can combine it with ghostly shivers on a stormy night and turn them into a tale of fright. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh look, look, a rainbow. I'll use that to paint with. Now you've got it. Wow, wow, wow. Numbers, letters, papers for writing, costumes, makeup, stages for lighting, tears off laughter. <laughs> what about science? Science? We'll need electron beams and crystal prisms, gyroscopes and magnetism, holy grails Hold and on, Figment. Why? The idea bag is full. It is? Let's start making new things. Now, wait. First, we must store these ideas with the others in the dream port. Are we almost there? Oh, the dream port is never far away when you use your imagination. Come on, everybody. Let's we go. We all have sparks. Imagination. Yeah. That's how our minds create creations. <laughs> right at the start of everything that's new, one little spark 
lights up for you. Oh, boy. Imagination. Imagination. A dream can be a dream come true. With just that spark in me and you. Hello there, Dreamfinder here. You're listening to Disney On Demand. Cooper, <laughs> in their dealings with dressed envelope to Davis and Kurt. Right down that. Surfers, it's time to go behind the scenes of the latest Disney movies. That's right, Movie Surfer Tessa here, and we've got interviews and video that you can't see anywhere else for Walt Disney Pictures and Walden Media's new movie, Bridge to Terabithia. Yes! I got you, Leslie! I got you! It's the story of two kids who are outsiders at their school. Consider it a free lunch program, farmer boy! But through the power of their imaginations, they get to be rulers of their own kingdom. We rule Terabithia, and nothing crushes us! And as a surfer, I got to travel all the way to New Zealand to talk with the stars of the film, Anna Sophia Robb, Josh Hutcherson, and Bailey Madison. My character's name is Jess, and he is an artist. You're really good at drawing. Like, better than any kid I've ever seen. And he gets bullied around at school. He's somewhat of an outcast. Do you have a death wish? The back rows for eighth graders. I play Leslie Burke, and she is a very lively, free-spirited young girl. She's not really afraid of anything, mm -hmm. and she just likes to try new things and express herself. You're really asking for it. Seems to me she gives it out whether you ask for it or not. Can you tell us who you play in the movie and a little bit about your character's personality? I play Mabel. Mabel. All right, and what is Mabel like? Well, she wants to follow like her sisters and brothers around. You want to go? Yeah. I want to come. You can't. It's a free country! What exactly is Terabithia? Terabithia is a kingdom where Jess and Leslie go to solve their problems. Hey. What if there was a magical kingdom that only we knew about? Where there's no Janice Avery's or Scott Hooker's. Squirrel! Part squirrel, part Scott Hoger. Squirrel. And they try to conquer their fears or the villains in Terabithia. Therefore, they can conquer them in the real world. Hey, here he comes. To begin, let the wonder take hold. Feel it draw you in. Watch the moment unfold. Spark a dream that we're meant to follow. Setting out for a new tomorrow. Every step we take.
You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. Just wanted to give a quick shout-out to our very own page. So proud of you graduating college and pursuing your dream. Can't wait to see you at Walt Disney World. Way to go, little sis. Well, you guys have been busy sending in questions, and the virtual mailbag is full. So let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Gabby Shear of Nevada, and she writes, Aaron of the Diz Radio team, I have a question about the Magic Kingdom's fireworks shows. With wishes officially going away, just how many fireworks shows have been at the Magic Kingdom? I think Fantasy in the Sky, Wishes, and now Happily Ever After. Am I missing any? Thank you for the help in getting me my nighttime music collection completed. Well, good job. You're completely correct, but I have a few extras for you. Fantasy in the Sky ran from 1971 till 2003. The music varied for the 25th anniversary of the Magic Kingdom, for the 1999 to 2003 shows, and for New Year's. Then Wishes ran from 2003 till 2017. Theme of Wishes became the official Magic Kingdom song. In 2005, the show was extravagantly updated with two additional tags for Halloween and Christmas. Both included additions such as releasing fireworks all around the theme park from launch sites surrounding Seven Seas Lagoon, not just the castle area. Hollow Wishes and Holiday Wishes became hits in their own right. A third special-themed fireworks show, Magic Music and Mayhem, was created in 2007 for Mickey's Pirate and Princess Party. Two more special fireworks shows debuted in 2008, themed to Independence Day and New Year's Eve. Disney Celebrate America, a 4th of July concert in the sky, and Fantasy in the Sky, New Year's Eve countdown. And also in 2010, during the summer, Disney had Summer Nightastic, which was the magic music and mayhem show from Disney's Pirate and Princess Party. I look forward to seeing the new Happily Ever After. Our next question is from William Casser of Atlanta, Georgia, and he writes, Disney On Demand's Aaron, love your knowledge and the portion of the show. You always open me up to new things. My question for you is about Power Rangers at the Disney parks. I know they were there at one time, but just when? I can't find anything on YouTube, and I feel you may have answered this question before at some time. Help, I'm a huge Power Ranger fan, and if I can connect them to Disney, even better. Your friend and loyal D-Head. Well, everything's better when you can associate with Disney. I have mentioned the Power Rangers before in a question about Disney MGM Studios. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers made appearances in the park during the first seasons of the television series, which puts them there from around 93 to 1995, but then vanished. Disney used to import characters that were not part of their own library of films or shows. Some of the other characters, for example, were Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ace Ventura Pet Detective, and characters from the Goosebumps series by R.L. Stein. Disney had ownership of the Power Rangers franchise through its purchase of Saban Entertainment 
until May 2010, when Saban purchased the franchise back and were regular members of the park's cast of characters during that time. Disney acquired the Rangers in 2001, and they were at the park till August 7, 2010. There are some videos on YouTube, just search Power Rangers Disney MGM Studios. For our final question is from Rachel Kaminsky of Ohio, and she writes, Diz Radio, question on Disney's version of Bridge to Terabithia. I know it's based on a book, but when did Disney acquire the rights to the book, as I know it was a movie in the early 80s as well, I think. Thanks for the answers, and great show. Well, this is a great movie. Disney never actually acquired the rights to the book to make the movie. They got the screenplay from the author's son. Producer and screenwriter David L. Patterson is the novel's author's son, and his name was featured on its dedication page. The story was based on his real-life best friend, Lisa Hill, who was struck by lightning and killed when they were both eight years old. Patterson had asked his mother, Catherine Patterson, if he could write a screenplay of the novel, and she agreed, not only because he's her son, but also because he's a very good playwright. Patterson had difficulty marketing the screenplay, mostly because of Leslie's death. The most important thing for Patterson was to keep the spirit of the book alive while finding a way to transform it from a novel that takes place mostly in the characters' heads to a dynamic visual medium. Patterson knew the film had to be about friendship and imagination. While Patterson focused on bringing out the emotions of the story, he admitted to having difficulty writing about Terabithia because it was too close. He credited fellow screenwriter Jeff Stockwell for recreating Terabithia for the film. That's an interesting story that I never knew about. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for your great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. Get ready to power up! It's time to check out the all-star team of Power Rangers at the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. Meet Power Rangers from five different seasons and master their moves. It's all live and in person at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And remember, you can watch Power Rangers Jungle Fury as part of Shred Instead, a girl worth fighting for. Huh? That's what I said. A girl worth fighting for. I want to paler than the moon. With eyes that shine like stars. My girl will marvel at my strength. Adore my battle scars. I couldn't care less what she'll wear or what she looks like. 
It all depends on what she cooks like beef, pork, chicken. At the local girls' court, you are quite the chopper. Such a lady killer. I'm a throwback home, not like any other. Yeah, the only girl who'd love him is his mother. This is Nate Torrance from Star vs. the Force of Evil and Zootopia, and you are listening to Disney On Demand. Who let the dogs out? Hello everyone, this is Dominic, and welcome to another edition of Disney's Short Leash. If you're new to the segment, a short leash isn't Beast's new electric fence. No, the short leash is a series of tips for people to get the most out of their Walt Disney World vacation when they are short on time or short on money. With any luck, you may be able to try some of these suggestions and quite possibly do as much, if not more, than someone vacationing with a greater amount of time or a larger budget. After initial first couple months of general tips, we are going to get more specific this time with short leash vacation scheduling. Whether you're an Excel spreadsheet junkie or you go free range, scheduling is going to be an important part of your vacation planning. Scheduling is what you do when planning what you do. So for this short leash specifically, we're going to see how park hours can dictate how to get the most value out of your park dollar. After spending a good chunk of last segment making fun of Disney transportation buses, let's live on the side of positivity and give some props to Walt Disney World. Do people still say props? I don't know. I'm getting old. Hey, Paige. Never mind. Whatever the lingo the hip cats are using these days, I offer congratulations. So let us say thank you, Fantasmic. Three cheers for Star Wars fireworks. Hooray for illuminations. And a what took you so long to the impending bioluminescent splendor of Pandora. I offer these congratulations because planning a short lease trip has become a little bit easier thanks to the continuation and expansion of evening entertainment at the non-Magic Kingdom theme parks. I was doing a little research for this segment, uh, seriously, uh, very little, I checked the park hours on the Disney website for the rest of the month. And surprisingly, every park is open till at least 9pm and every park is open for about 12 hours. This wasn't always the case. Illuminations has typically brought Epcot to a close at 9, closer to 10 p.m. if you stay for the fireworks show and work your way to the exit. But in the past, the closing hours of Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios could vary wildly, sometimes closing between 5 and 7 p.m. Okay, I can hear you. So what? Who cares how late it's open? Aren't you the guy who made that snarky cartoon about the perfect Animal Kingdom day being getting there early, walking in, riding Everest, and leaving? Well, yes, I am that guy. So first of all, good point. Second of all, I was kidding. You Animal Kingdom fan sites can stop sending me angry tweets. 
For the record, Animal Kingdom is my son's favorite park and we actually spend a good chunk of time there. See, the problem with early closure is when one park is closing six hours earlier than another, it ends up costing you money in a couple ways. If you were paying for a day at Animal Kingdom and that park closed at 5 p.m., versus paying for a day at Magic Kingdom that was open until midnight, you're getting a lot more bang for your ticket dollar by skipping Animal Kingdom, especially on a short leash trip when tickets are costing more per day versus if you're buying tickets for a longer stay. Maybe you're saying, okay, no big deal, I'll just park hop somewhere else in the evening. Well, that's also costing you money by having to add a park hopper option to your ticket. Also, fast passes and dining reservations sometimes act like fun shackles, holding you into a certain place to the point where park hopping is not an option, and now you're paying for nothing. Plus, if you have to park hop, you're going to burn some time in transit anyway, and that might not make it even worth going to the park that's open a little bit later. However, if you were at that park the whole time to begin with, you would have had many more hours of uninterrupted Disney enjoyment. Early park closures almost guaranteed I'd have to tack on the park hopper option. I remember not too long ago leaving most other parks in the afternoon and heading to the Magic Kingdom every evening just to get more hours out of our park ticket. We ended up at the Magic Kingdom so many times just trying to get some more hours out of our park day that I'm probably one of the only people who is glad to see Wishes finally go. By day 7 or 8, Wishes became like the musical interval I never wanted to hear again. If we weren't park hopping and we had a limited amount of time, we simply wouldn't bother going to a park that would close at 6pm when another was open past midnight. Six or more hours of park time is $240 of ticket value for our family of five. But now that there's a full day everywhere and closing hours are more consistent across the board, a day at, say, Animal Kingdom no longer feels like lost park time elsewhere. We can stay at any one of the big four parks and feel confident we're getting full value out of our vacation dollar. At least for the month I'm recording this. The moral of the story is kind of check the park hours. Now you can still make the case that some parks simply have more stuff to do than others, so even if the park is open late, doesn't mean you get the same amount of entertainment. But that's a subjective decision based on your own vacation tastes. The older I get, the more Spaceship Earth becomes a thrill ride, and eating a good snack while watching some street entertainment is becoming more fun than Test Track. I mean, really, Test Track has never convinced me that it's worth standing in line for 90 minutes to sit in a car that goes 60 miles per hour after spending a day driving from the Northeast. Yeah, I might as well just call the last 18 hours I-95 the ride. Let's Freaky Friday this thing, let's reverse it, send a self-driving car to pick me up from my house, and I'll drive the loop around Test Track myself. You know, the whole family would be puzzled, like, of all the car combinations you could have chosen, Daddy, why did yours come out to be a Chevy Equinox? At any rate, park hours are subject to change, so on any trip, I recommend seeing if you're getting the most time for your dollar, especially prior to making fast passes or dining reservations that can limit your mobility. Check park hours before you even make your ticket purchase. You may find out you can save some money by not having to add a park hopper option. Check the park hours before even making your reservation. You might find out that moving your vacation to earlier in the week or later in the week can give you some more time in the park. If you are kind of schedule locked and you do run into early park closing times, that might be a great place to make your last stop. If the place closes around 5, 6, 7 o'clock, you can catch a late flight or start the road trip back home knowing that you've maxed out your time as best you could. This especially comes in handy if you don't have the time to tack on some non-ticket resort relaxation on your departure day. See an earlier short leash for that. I hope that the 12 hour day and a 9 to 11 p.m. closing time becomes a standard everywhere for a long time to come because buying a ticket for a full day of fun and not just late afternoon? Well, that's short leash people and I hope you've enjoyed the tip. I do have an official Diz Radio email so I'd love to hear from you with a hi, some questions, suggestions, or even your own short leash tips at dominic at dizradio.com. That's D-O-M-E-N-I-C at dizradio.com. 
I can also be found on the internet on Twitter at, at WDWPlantoons and on YouTube or your favorite podcast app by searching WDWPlantoons or visiting Plantoons.com. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Make a wish. You're about to enter a world of dreams come true. Where elephants fly, teacups dance, and lifelong friends are made every day. The Magic Kingdom. Welcome to a world of fantasy with seven magical lands of timeless fun. Enter Tomorrowland, a world of the future that never was. Rocket through the galaxy on Space Mountain, one of three Magic Kingdom mountains. Then take command of your own star cruiser on Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin. Across the park in Frontierland, plunge five slippery stories into Br'er Rabbit's Briar Patch on Splash Mountain. Then hang on for a runaway ride on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Anytime you feel like a hug from Mickey, head to the judge's tent in Mickey's Toontown Fair. He's there all day long. Skip over to Mickey's Toontown Fair, the whimsical land Mickey and the gang call home. Here you'll come face to face with Mickey and your other Disney friends. Adventureland, soar to new heights of imagination on the all-new magic carpets of Aladdin. Right beside Liberty Square, 999 ghoulish ghosts await your visit in the Haunted Mansion. While in Fantasyland, children of all ages fly, ride, and gallop through classic Disney tales, including the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Magic Kingdom afternoons bring their own special enchantment during our 100 years of magic celebration as classic Disney stories come to life during our Share a Dream Come True parade. On special nights, the streets glisten with smiles and laughter as the incredible Spectro Magic Parade sparkles its way into your memories. Also on special nights, look high above Cinderella Castle for the dazzling display that is fantasy in the sky fireworks. The Magic Kingdom, where happily ever afters happen every day.
camera, action! It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest! Alright all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues Disney On Demand. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many times those are ones that you see on the small screen, the big screen, ones that play that part in your life where you just take the magic with you. And with us here this week is somebody that's no stranger to any of that. You know him from great features like Bridge to Terabithia. Awesome television shows that many little boys out there know in Power Rangers, Dino Thunder, as well as great TV shows like The Cult and so much more. We have none other than Latham Gaines here. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Hey, thanks, Jonathan. Glad to be here. It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, you know, great resume, fantastic series and things that you've been a part of that many people, you know, now have grown up with. I guess the one question I always love to start it with is what got interested in that road of acting and wanting to kind of pursue this as a career? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think for a lot of us, it starts really early. You know, actually, I think my mom made me audition for a play when I was nine years old and I was, I was a shy kid. She thought that would help me uh, make friends. Um, so I did, and I think it was Oliver. I think I did a production of Oliver when I was eight or nine or something. Anyway, I remember being kind of scared about the whole idea, but then getting on stage and getting in front of people. And then I thought, oh, wait, this is kind of cool. I, I, this, is, this is fun. So it was something I started uh, real early and um, that ended up going to NYU and studying acting at, at NYU. So it was just something I started uh, real early and just always wanted to be a part of. Well, you know, and with that, it's, I guess with that, it comes with coming, you know, I guess playing pretend and bringing stories to life and memorable characters. And, you know, in those early days, is there one, I guess, particular, you know, play or thing you're part of where you're like, you know, this definitely is the the moment, the moment where you're like, this is what I want to do. Yeah, I think doing that first play, I think, was pretty big because, like I said, I, I was a shy kid and still am a shy person to a certain extent. So I think that I was, I was able. I noticed that you could, you could pretend to be somebody else and you could bring somebody else's words to life, and that that and that that was just something I really enjoyed. So I, you know, I, I have to say too, when I first came to New Zealand, I used to do some Hercules and Xena. I was on quite a few episodes of those shows, and I think the fantasy element in those shows. I think the first time I was on Xena with a a sword and like in this cool set and you know that's that's sort of when it can be the most fun in a way when you're really in this other sort of fantasy world that you would never be a part of in in modern life i think that was something where it really took hold for me as well especially the idea of tv and the type of tv that they do down here in new zealand well definitely and like you said it is that that fantasy and that fun and you know hercules and xena were huge shows in their own right that you know still to this day have such a huge cult fan following but I guess jumping into the Disney side before we go into the many other things that you've done and Bridge to Terabithia for anybody that uh, has loved that film. They love the books. I know my daughter loves that book as well. I guess being part of that film, you know, being part of Bill Burke and being Leslie's father, uh, I guess one, how did you get that role? And did you ever have a chance to either read the book or get familiar with this great tale? Well, you know, I wasn't familiar with the book. I had heard of it, but I had not read it myself. Um, the audition came along and uh, so I, I wasn't really familiar with the, with the book or the part when I auditioned, I just focused on what they wanted from the guy. And I knew who, you know, I knew who Bill Burke was in the context of the movie and, and what he was going to go through in the movie and just did my best uh, on the ad- audition to, uh, to be that character. I think if I remember right, the audition scene, there were two and one of them was the scene where they're sort of playing around and they're painting the living room. And so I think they wanted to see a kind of a sense of playfulness from me if I could if I could do that. And then I think we had to touch on the the difficult scene at the end as well to see if I could sort of get that emotion. But um, 
And it was actually interesting. It was there was actually no callback for that. I auditioned for that, and I, I guess they felt I was so right for for that from the first audition. That next thing I knew, they said, "Look, we we want you to do this." And um, and uh, Anna Sophia is going to be coming into the country, and they did a great thing on this production that, that they don't normally do, which is that they they wanted the two of us to spend time together. So she and I, we spent a few days sort of playing ping pong and you know kind of having lunch together and talking. And I think that really helped get the bond, uh, the sort of father and daughter bond that, that shows up in the movie, I hope. Well, definitely, you know, and your character as well, you know, I mean, you know, you're not throughout the entire film, of course, but you are her father in that film. And that's the kind of role where, you know, she even says in the film that my father works a lot, but then you also have this, uh, this playful scene. And like you said, you know, the painting of the room. And of course, that's one of those scenes that really does stick with things. And, uh, you know, my daughter took away from that scene. One of the lines that uh, you said about, uh, you know, doing hard work and work that's worth doing. And, uh, you know, that really is one of those things where it, it kind of touches and plays in essence for the rest of the film. True. Yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting character. He also reminds me a lot of my dad. And so I think that that made it easier for me to get that character as well. I really identified with that guy and um, you know just with that guy's journey is terribly terribly sad and the thing I hear most about that film is people telling me about that you know the scene um, after she's died it was one of the most difficult scenes I've ever had to do in anything uh, was that to get myself in a place of that my daughter had just recently died and just what that must be like so it was a you know, it's a beautiful movie and a difficult movie at the end because of that. Definitely. Now, with that film, you know, because it is this great, uh, I guess, this great tale and this great film, you know, looking back, since you didn't read the book and weren't familiar with that, you know, when you watch the entire film start to finish, um, you know, were you impressed with, you know, how well it came out and how it's this great tale and story of, you know, best friends and growing and loss and imagination, I guess, uh, did it touch you in the same way that you're hoping it touched all the viewers? You know, it really did. I, I didn't see a screening of that before it came out in the movie theater. I was actually in upstate New York and I waited until it was just sort of at my local movie theater. Uh, and I just went and sat with everybody else and watched it and I was really moved. I mean, it was interesting. I found myself crying, watching myself crying <laughs> about the whole thing. <laughs> it was just incredibly sad. But I thought the bond between the two of them were great. I thought those two actors did a fantastic job. The the magical sort of world that they created was amazing. I was really swept up in it. I mean, I, it was, um, I think it's a very impressive movie. I still hear about it to this day that people talk about that movie. So I think they did a great job with it. Well, definitely. And like you said, it is one of those films where you really get swept up with the storytelling and whatnot. And I believe in today's society with electronics and iPads and things so much more, I feel a film like that where it's telling you to have that imagination and just let go is probably more important now than it even was when that film originally came out. Absolutely. Now, with that too, you know, moving on from Bridge to Terabithia, like I said, great film, you know, I now moving on to that and moving into the action realm and probably one of the many things that you get noticed for the most, and of course that's Power Rangers Dino Thunder. And everybody, you know, loves Power Rangers. You know, they have their own cult following from season after season, and I have two boys who love Power Rangers as well. How did you get involved with the Power Rangers, and what were your initial thoughts jumping into this franchise that continues to be so popular because each incarnation is basically grooming an entire new generation that grows up with, that's their Power Rangers, and the next one, that's their Power Rangers, and now you're associated with that as well. That's so true, especially now with Netflix and everything else. I'm finding that people are, are watching them more and more, and they they don't necessarily know when 
the season was filmed. They don't care. They just sort of latch onto them and it just keeps growing and growing. I mean, this was another thing like Bridge to Terabithia where I was really not familiar with Power Rangers. Of course, I had heard of it growing up as a kid uh, in the States, but I hadn't really watched it. And um, an audition came along um, for me to play and the, and the character changed a lot. Originally, I think they asked me to play a scientist in Power Rangers and I would I was mildly interested. I just didn't know what that was going to mean exactly and uh, went along to the audition and met Doug Sloan, who was the producer on it at that time. And he was a really creative guy and we really hit it off. And Doug was kind of making up the part as they were going. And he said, look, I want you to audition for this scientist guy, but, but he's also going to turn into some kind of a monster. And we think he might be the father of one of the Rangers. And so I got a lot more interested and I thought that sounded pretty cool. And he, uh, there was a funny story where I went along and I auditioned as Anton Mercer, you know, which is half of the one of the two characters I play. And I did a pretty normal scene, a scene with his son, with Trent, and I did it with Doug. And then Doug said, look, I want you to go home and I want you to come back tomorrow. And I want you to, when you come back tomorrow, I want you to be a dinosaur. And so, of course, I kind of <laughs> laughed and I said, I'm not sure what you're talking about. And he said, well, I'm not sure either, but I think that this guy turns into a dinosaur. And so I just you know, just come back tomorrow at the same time and just see what you can do. And so I went home really scratching my head and I thought, I don't even know what he's talking about. Dinosaur. So I kind of went home and I got in front of the mirror and I sort of worked on it a little bit. And that was the beginnings of Mezagog, um, the way that he came out. And so I went back the next day and we did another scene as Mercer. And then I kind of stood up and I did this sort of half human, half T-Rex uh, movement thing that I had that I I'd copied some of it from my cat and some of it from watching you know Jurassic Park so anyway they they loved that and I went away and a few weeks later they said look we want you to do this and that that started the whole process of of, uh, of making Mesagog. Um but um, I, I wasn't really familiar with the show and then once we started filming the show I met Jason David Frank on the first day who's obviously you know Power Rangers legend and he's been around forever and Jason was really the one who told me on the set the first day just how big the show is and that it wasn't just a kid's show, which is what I think uh, I sort of thought it was in a way. Jason said, look, there are millions of fans out there. There's websites that talk about it. There's adults that watch this show. And he really helped me to understand that it, the bigger picture of the Power Rangers and how many people watched and just how wide the fan base was. And so I've told fans this before. From that day forward, I, I took it you know, even more seriously than I was already taking it. And I uh, was committed to making what I thought was going to be a really scary bad guy and a really, uh, you know, somebody who was really going to give the Rangers something to fight against. And so from that day forward, I really took it very seriously and said, let me let me see if I can just be the best bad guy that they've ever had. And uh, I had great fun doing it. Well, you know, and like you said, you know, it's one of those things where it is huge and there are these legions of fans and, you know, people, like I said, everyone has their own incarnation that is their version of the Power Rangers that they grew up with. Now, with that and being the bad guy, because if there's one person that people remember from a TV series, uh, you know, no matter what it is for adults, kids, you name it, it's always the villains. Now, was it fun playing a villain as opposed to saying, all right, well, I really wanted to be a hero on this? Oh, no, look, the villain is always the most fun. And in my career, I've mostly played villains. The Bill Burke was kind of an exception, I, especially in Hercules and Xena. I was almost always bad guys. And in the cult, I, you know, I was a sort of evil cult leader. So I tend to tend to get cast. I don't know why I'm a nice guy, but I tend to get cast in those kind of parts. And so but I always say the villain is by far the most fun to play. And also, more importantly, without your villain being really strong 
and, and really evil and menacing, then your good guys don't have enough to fight against. So I used to joke with the Rangers all the time that I'm trying to make them look good by getting them someone to, uh, you know, someone really evil to fight against. But of course, being a bad guy is always the most fun. And especially with Mercer and Menzogog, that he had this Jekyll and Hyde where he, you know, would turn into this evil character. So it was a uh, tremendous fun. One of the most fun things I've ever done. Um, that suit was heavy and, and uncomfortable, as you can imagine, but I enjoyed being in it and I enjoyed bringing this monster to life like that. But yeah, I love playing bad guys. That's my favorite favorite thing to do now with this you know having such a huge fan base of phenomenon have you ever gotten any wild crazy you know fan i guess uh interactions or anything like that where it's one of those memorable things where you're like wow these i, I really am touching people that uh, really love this show yeah you know jonathan i get that all the time and i, and I still get it today it's really interesting where it happened um it can be in the most random place and my wife and i were in a bowling alley um in New York City, like a really fancy bowling alley, and everybody was very cool. And we we tried to go in and go bowling, and we didn't have a reservation. And the guy at the front was kind of shaking his head, like, "No, look, you need a reservation." And he sort of looked up. And I'll never forget this look. His whole look just changed, and he saw me, and he went, "Oh, Anton Mercer, Mezogog! I can't believe it. It's Mezogog, Anton Mercer standing right <laughs> here. Of course you can go bowling. Here we go. There's a lane, you know, or a pizza guy bringing pizza to my house one time, and he just kind of looked at me funny. So. You never know who is going to recognize you or what age they're going to be. Yeah, also, I went to a convention for the first time uh, last year, and, and that was that was fun as well. And not only did I get to meet a lot of fans, but I got to see what the show means to a lot of fans. You know, it's bigger than I thought. But, yeah, you, you know, you, I, you never know. I get um, I get weird looks quite often, especially as Mezogog. I had there was a couple of Japanese guys that I ran into last year in LA who were actually scared of me. They were standing 20 feet away in the hotel lobby, just sort of looking at me strange. And I thought, what are these guys doing? But they saw Mercer, they saw Mezogog and they were just sitting over there scared. <laughs> he still scares people, even though he's not around anymore. Well, you know, and with that too, like you said, you know, you get this where people are recognizing you and you've played this part in their lives and, you know, going to your first convention now, you know, going to conventions and comic cons and things like that are always, you know, bigger than life. And that's where, you know, all the fans really do get to come and do things like that. Is that something where you definitely go to another uh, convention and comic con just to uh, interact with all those fans and this legacy of Power Rangers? Yeah, I'll definitely go again. Um, yeah, I'm not sure when, but I will. I definitely will. I enjoy doing that. And also I get to see some of the people that I worked with on the show, which is great, like Jeff Barazzo played my son and, um, and Kevin Duhaney. And uh, so that's that's always fun. It's like a reunion where you see people from other seasons that I've gotten to be friends with and people from my seasons. And like I said, for a lot of the fans, it's really meaningful. I had a, a mother come up to me with um, with a handicapped son uh, last year. Uh, I think he was autistic um, as well. And he she told me this whole story about how he doesn't respond so much. And the first time he ever saw Mezogog, he laughed and he pointed at the screen and she said she started crying and what a big deal it was. And, you know, I got to tell you, that was um, that was a big deal for me, you know, to, to realize that for some people, especially that the, the show has meaning beyond just entertainment, that there's something a little bit bigger there. And the first time I heard a story like that, it made going to some of those conventions much more meaningful for me. Um, you know, because it's a bigger thing, and and that's uh, that's great. I mean, when entertainment can can reach out and help people uh, like that, I think that's really magic, and it's my responsibility. I think to to take part in that and to 
to further that as much as I can. Well, definitely, you know, and you've played a part in so many people's lives, you know, from all, you know, all the films, television, things you've done, like you said, you know, even those uh, Herculean Xena fans, you know, where people really have really grown into those as well. Now, of course, you know, moving forward, you've also been part of things, earning a best performance by an actor as well with the TV series, The Cult, I guess. What was it like being part of this? And did you expect it to be such a big hit as it was? That was really great fun. Again, he's he's a villain, and I like playing villains. Um, uh, that that was really fun. I, I got to play a cult leader, and I had to really examine what that means and how to play a convincing cult leader, especially today. Um, so look, <laughs> I love. I think also because he started off as a good guy, and I realized that in order to play, in order to get anybody into your cult these days, you have to be very compelling. You know, you have to get people to follow you. So that was a challenging, a really challenging part, but one I really uh, enjoyed a lot. Yeah, it was really fun. It was. One of, one of my, another one of my favorite things I've ever done, I think, to um, play such a complex character like a cult leader. Well, you know, and with all these different characters, because like you said, you do kind of get into that role of being the villain, uh, with the exception of Bridge, Bridge to Terabithia. Now, of course, you know, you don't just do that. You're not just, you know, acting and things like that. You know, you also are part of many other things as well, including, you know, music and things like that and sound sculpture, I guess. How did you get involved with that and wanting to kind of cr- take this I guess, this hobby and this fun and this fusion to a new level. Well, I've always loved making things. You know, I've always made things with my hands and, and uh, I've always been musical as well. I, I, I used to do a lot of musical theater. I enjoy that a lot. And so I've always had music as part of my life. And my brother and I started um, making these instruments uh, that we could learn how to play and started showing those in galleries. And that ended up putting us off Broadway, scoring some plays. And so that's just another thing that I really love to do with other aspects that you know also when as an actor you there's times where you're waiting to see if you can get another part or months go by and you don't have anything so you know you really need something uh, creative there to do um, when you're not doing that and also there was a period of years where I decided to stop acting for a while and start doing some of these other things just because I'm you know a curious person and uh, want to try as many different things as I can. Well, you know, and like you said, it's one of those, you don't want to just pigeonhole yourself to one thing and just expand, live life, you know, kind of just take it by the reins and continue on with that. Now, you know, currently, you know, you have so many different things going on, things like that. And of course, looking back at your career, are you currently working on anything at the moment or are you just living life and just really enjoying just, uh, you know, making the most out of every day? Yeah, I mean, that's mostly it. But uh, actually, my wife and I did recently come back to New Zealand. We're down here at the moment. And I have um, just in the last couple of years gotten back into the acting scene down here. So um, I've started doing that again down here. And there's a couple uh, things coming up in the next few months that I can't really talk about now, but that I'm going to be starting to be a part of. So I'm excited to sort of get back into it. It's been a few years where I've put it on the back burner, as it were. but uh, I'm going to start doing it again. Well, you know, and with that, it's like, you know, you got to get your get your feet wet, jump right back in. And I guess with that, with all the different fans of uh, Power Rangers and things like that, and of course now it seems like it's bigger than ever. Um, if they ever wanted to, you know, bring back any of these characters or even a new villain, would you ever jump back on board and say, yes, I am there? Yeah, I've been asked about that before. My answer in the past has always been that I would, I'd be more than willing to come back to Power Rangers as Mezagog again. I'm not sure if I would play another villain, just in that, you know, I really put my all into that. And I, you know, I, I think there's a road for Mercer Mezagog to come back. I mean, if you're, if you're a fan of the show or you remember what happened on that show, Mezagog gets split from Mercer. And so Mercer gets to be a normal person again. But there's probably some, uh, some lingering DNA in there in Mercer that could be brought back out to, 
to bring Mezagog alive again. So I'd certainly be interested in doing that because I had so much fun doing it and it impacted the fans um, so much. But I'm not sure about playing another villain. I'd have to talk about that. But uh, that's always been my position. I'd love to come back as Mezagog, but that would really be the only way that I would do it. <laughs> well, you know, we know you're busy and of course, you know, in New Zealand. So, you know, you're in the future for us all the way ahead an entire day. So I guess with that in closing here, all the different people whose lives you've touched, whether that's through Power Rangers, the cult, uh, you know, doing music, uh, Bridge to Terabithia, you know, anything that you've been part of. For all of our fans listening in, fans of your work, you know, people you've played this part in their life, is there any final words you'd like to leave out there for them tuning in? Well, look, I'm a big believer in that if, if you can see it, you can do it. You know, you, I think we all have a thing in our head that we think we can do and we'd like to try. And there's really, and, and many, many people before me have said this, but if you, if you think you can do something, you can absolutely do it. Just see it in your head and take that first step today to go ahead and do it, whether that be art or acting or music or whatever, because um, we need you. We need your unique talent and your unique personality. And uh, it's something you can do. You just got to believe in yourself and go ahead and take that step today towards the dream that you're looking at. Very good words of wisdom. Well, Latham, it was our pleasure having you stop in, take this chat down memory lane. And of course, you know, for all of your fans out there and people whose lives you've touched, it was our pleasure having you stop in. I'll be on the lookout, of course, and all of your fans, you know, for anything new and upcoming from you as well. And you're always welcome back anytime. And, uh, you know, hopefully that, uh, you know, we'll either see you at Power Rangers or something new or something on the big screen. Either way, you're going to be touching their lives. So thank you once again for stopping in. No worries. Thank you, Jonathan. And you all right? Just leave me alone. We should get you some help. No! Leave him alone! He'll be fine! He's a doctor! Anton, wait! Please leave me! Mercer is Mesagog. Oh, this is one crazy week. This is your big secret? You knew this all along? He's my father. How can I tell you? You will pay for betraying me, Trent. You will pay dearly. I never betrayed you. You betrayed us, if anything. Silence!
doubts But I knew I'd find you somewhere Cause I knew Envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that. Sunday on an all new Power Rangers Dino Thunder. This can't be happening. The gem, it's changed me. It's only a matter of time before ah. you turn completely evil. We can't help it. The gem is too powerful. A new dinosaur, eh? I'll add it to my collection. Great. Major Megazord action right off the bat. Megazord! Double drill attack! It's an all new Power Rangers Dino Thunder. Part of. Sunday at 7.30, 6.30 Central on Toon Disney. Hey there, D-Heads. Paige here with an all-new Magical Music Review. When browsing through my Disney Music Library this week, I came across an early 2000s soundtrack that most people don't necessarily remember. Now, when I say don't remember, I don't mean the film itself. My friends quote this film with me all the time. Let me give you a hint. It's live action, and then there's this map on the back of a document, and maybe a robbery that becomes necessary. Hopefully that was enough to ring some bells to get you to guess that we are taking a look at the soundtrack to National Treasure. The film's score was composed by Disney veteran Trevor Rabin, who also has two collaborations with Harry Gregson Williams for Touchstone, Armageddon, and Enemy of the State, and Walt Disney Picture credits including Remember the Titans, Glory Road, National Treasure Book of Secrets, and the 2010 reimagining of The Sorcerer's Apprentice, to name a few. With intensity and mystery throughout the soundtrack accompanies Ben, Riley, and Abigail throughout the chase to find the lost treasure. I have our selections queued up and ready to go, so let's waste no more time. Follow me as we make our way from the Charlotte to DC to Philadelphia to Boston and take a listen to the score from Walt Disney Pictures' 2004 release, National Treasure.
Ben and Riley go through the plans to steal the Declaration of Independence in the Library of Congress, which is also the name of our first selection. The song itself opens with a common medley and is found throughout the movie. While lighter than most of the rest of the score, it still gives the sense of intrigue and curiosity that surrounds the story as our characters make their plan to steal the Declaration. For most of the piece, the instruments pass the spotlight back and forth, keeping the sound relatively simple. The selection is also a mix between the scene that actually occurs in the Library of Congress and in the park as Ben makes the unhappy decision to go to his dad's for help. There's an increase in dynamic and overall instrumentation as the ensemble plays in unison and the lower voices make themselves known in the section where Ben and Abigail fight over the declaration and Ben realizes if he wants to keep possession of the document, he's not going to get rid of Abigail anytime soon. My favorite part of the score comes right after Ben has stolen the declaration. Starting with Abigail following Ben out of the gala and going all the way through the confrontation with Ian, the chase helps in adding the urgency to the scene as Abigail is kidnapped by Ian and Ben and Riley go after them in a crazy car chase through downtown DC to save her. The selection starts heavy on the piano and violin before picking up in intensity as the violins and low brass become the focus as Abigail confronts Ben at the van, all leading to the addition of percussion and synthesizers in the actual chase. The tempo and overall energy coming from the ensemble drives the piece to be a perfect background to surround a car chase.
the climax of the film comes at the end as Ben, Riley, Abigail, and Patrick find what they have been looking for for the entire movie. The final piece of the puzzle is put into place with a piece of the pipe found in the Charlotte, and a hidden door opens. Treasure depicts the wonder, excitement, and awe of our characters as they step into the presence of great pieces in history, from statues and coins to lost scrolls from the libraries in Alexandria. Overall full of wonder, excitement, and reflection, the piece begins in the mysterious side of things as Ben discovers the doorway. The full ensemble is more recognizable as a standard orchestra in this piece, unlike our other selections, with audible representation from the woodwinds with small features for the flute and clarinet, as well as a presence as a section. The dynamics build as we enter the treasure room with a grandiose build-up from the brass and violins, adding in the presentation of the great find of the lost pieces of history that have been kept hidden for centuries.
and with that, my time is up. Thanks for coming back again this week to Diz Radio and for sticking around for another magical music review. Please be sure to check out our Facebook page, Diz Radio, and connect with the D-Team and myself on the D-Wire discussion group. Well, time for me to finish packing the car for my big boot this weekend. I'll be back in a few weeks with more from my Disney Music Library. Have a wonderful rest of your week, D-Heads, and until next time, see ya! Benjamin Franklin Gates, you are undertaking the duty of the family, Gates, to find the most spectacular treasure in history. It grew throughout the ages and moved across continents until it was hidden by America's founding fathers who left clues to the treasure's location right before our eyes. The unfinished pyramid, the all-seeing eye, are telling us something. Keeping this treasure safe, Benjamin, is your destiny. You're treasure hunters, aren't you? We're more like treasure protectors. All his life, Benjamin Gates has searched for a treasure no one believed existed. Don't you get it, Ben? The treasure is a myth. I refuse to believe that. But what he thought was the final clue... 108 years of searching and I'm three feet away. ...is only the beginning. The Declaration of Independence. You think there is a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence? The map is invisible. Why would we make this up? Where's your proof? We don't have it. Wiley, get down! Did Bigfoot take it? Word about the map is bound to get out. Ian's gonna try to steal it. 90 seconds. The only way to protect the Declaration is to steal it. What? I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Uh, Ben? From producer Jerry Bruckheimer and director John Turtletaub. It is surrounded by guards and video monitors and little kids on their eighth grade field trip. You will go to prison, you know that, right? Yeah, probably. Okay, go! Get out of there. Get out of there now. Got the bloody map. This Thanksgiving, the clues of ten generations. There's more of the riddle. Will reveal a mystery twenty centuries in the making. Who wants to go down the creepy tunnel inside the tomb first? Ah! Tell me what the next clue is. What do you see? Nicholas Cage. National Treasure. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. See? Wow! It's Disney On Demand. Dibs! Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Okay, I'm convinced. And a little disgusted. Well, all you D-heads, that is going to wrap up this week's show as we took that trip into our imagination and fun. And I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the very talented Latham Gaines for taking that time, stopping in here this week, chatting with all of us, and of course being part of these great films and television franchises that have been passed on for generations. So thank you, Latham, once again for stopping in. I'd also like to thank the D-team, yes, of Aaron, Dominic, and Paige, stopping in here this week with their signature segments. Without you, there would be no show other than me rambling week in and week out. So thank you, the D-team. And remember, you can always connect up with the D-team. Fear not, they don't bite at DizRadio.com. And finally, thank you, the D-heads. Without you, there definitely would be no show. You are the reason we've been coming back at you for the last seven years. With celebrity guests and all kinds of fun, you are the reason that we make the magic happen for your lifetime of Disney. So thank you, the D-heads, for making the show what it is and continuing 
to help us grow and continue on and get closer to that 10-year anniversary. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, next week we have some fun. Yes, summer is right there around the corner, spring is full in motion, and that's going to bring about some sports and other things. But before I hint as to who's going to be stopping in here next week, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, our listen to a Disney player, and so much more. And you can always check this out at dizradio.com, D-I-Z radio. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash Diz Radio Show. That's D-I-Z Radio S-H-O-W. And remember, this is our all-new Facebook page since our other one got hacked, so we are still rebuilding. Help us get back up there after it was hacked after seven years, all of you D-heads. And you can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Disney Blue, that's B-L-U. Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, or Disney On Demand, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, quirky, magical little show. And remember, if you just can't wait, if you need the magic in your ears, you need it instantly. You can't wait to hear my voice just ringing in your ears in that morning. All you have to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and subscribe right there. Search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, or Diz Radio. Hit subscribe and get the latest shows as they get released right there on your iPhone, your Android, your tablet, any device of your choice and you can listen to the shows as soon as they get released right away it is that easy and that simple and remember if i'm talking too fast all you have to do is go to dizradio.com d-i-z radio.com and there you can find all these links and so much more including ways to join up with us here and being part of the d team so all of you D-heads, that is out of the way. We are ready to press on into show number 178 next week. So a few clues I'm going to give you is think sports, think baseball, think lots of fun, and think many kids hanging out on a sandlot. That's all I'm going to give you this week, all of you D-heads. So until next week, it is time to slow down, take time, and as I always say, never neglect family for business. Go out, make those memories, have fun in the outdoors, and make the magic happen this weekend. Until next week, all VD heads, have a fantastic weekend.
Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.